Hi, thanks for joining us. This is Pastor Phil here and welcome to Cow Plain Church. We're so pleased that you've tuned in to listen to one of our weekly sermons. Uh, you can follow along with the message by downloading an outline which can be found at cowplainchurch.co.uk and if you click through you'll find where it is on the website. And we just love the fact that you're joining us. And we exist as a church uh, to change people's lives by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we are a church for all people of all ages, transforming lives for Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope that you come and join us one Sunday too. Well, let me encourage you to pull out your message outline. We're in, uh, we're in the, the, well, we're the penultimate uh, part in this series of messages that we've been in for the last uh, uh, six, seven weeks, which is, uh, we're looking at the, uh, called Living on the Prayer, and we're looking at the Lord's prayer. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever said something kind of like this to yourself? Today, I'm going to change my ways. Today, I'm going to make some changes in my life. I'm going to stop those bad habits. And today, it is going to be different. Now, I'm guessing that maybe we've said that. But the reality is, if you're living in the real world, is that it never really does change, does it? Somehow, you seem to fall back into the same old pattern of relating to people and your bad habits. Maybe, maybe you feel like there's this, this tug of war that's going on inside of you. You, you really want to do what is right, you really want to do what is best, but you end up just disappointing yourself and also you think, God. You've tried everything. Prayer, maybe New Year's resolutions, mid-year resolutions, end-of-year resolutions, I don't know, self-help books, whatever it is, but nothing seems to work. And you end up asking yourself the question, why do I keep making the same mistakes over and over and over? Why do I do things that I know are bad for me, that are, are, are detrimental, that don't help me? And if we're honest, every one of us has felt that way at different times in our lives because the reality of living on this planet is that good intentions are never good enough. If your life is going to change, if you're going to break free from those, those hang-ups in your life, from the stuff that just messes you up, from temptation and from bad thought patterns, it's going to take more than, well, I'll hope I'll do better tomorrow. Now, that's why you're going to need what we're talking about this morning, where Jesus encourages us to pray in Matthew 6, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what or who leads you into temptation? Or, or do you lead you into temptation? Interesting to think about, isn't it? You see, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus, you'll know that on multiple occasions he extended a specific and, and yet somewhat open invitation. The invitation was simply, follow me. Or, or to put it another way, he would say, allow me to lead you, follow me. And if anyone asks you to follow them, your initial response should be, well, we'll follow you where? Where are we going? Best we can tell, nobody ever asked Jesus that, because following Jesus in the first century wasn't really about where, it was more about what what he expected people who followed him to do. And he was clear about that. In fact, sometimes he was too clear about that. In fact, he set the bar so high that in the end, virtually nobody was following Jesus. But he never changed this invitation. Again and again, he would say, follow me, follow me. Then after the resurrection, some unfollowers re-followed. 
After all, if somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and then pulls it off, well, you should probably pay attention to whatever that person says. And they did. And together, this small group of people went on and they turned the world upside down. And ultimately, their followers would, ultimately, the followers of Jesus and their followers would ultimately turn the world upside down and would shape the Western civilization. Through their teaching and their writing, they introduced Jesus' kingdom others first ethic to the whole world. Now, whereas Jesus never changed or altered that initial invitation, the church eventually did. And you could say that's understandable because follow me, well, that has strings attached. It has do's and don'ts. It requires that we say yes to Jesus if we're following Jesus, and eventually we have to say no to ourselves. So the church shifted the invitation. They, they refocused the attention to believe in me instead of follow me. Believe in me it is much easier. In a sense, it, it's much less demanding. In fact, it really doesn't demand anything, just believe. So, no surprise, the most popular statement in the entire New Testament, in fact, maybe the entire Bible, is John 3.16. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Which is absolutely true. But, one of the most unpopular statements in the New Testament, maybe the entire Bible, was something Jesus said in Matthew 16.24. Whoever wants to be my follower, or some translations say disciple, but it really means follower, whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves. They must eventually say no to themselves. But unfortunately, the message of Jesus was reduced to believe in me. And while you believe in me, well, you know, try to behave and you'll be fine. And if you adopt that approach like most religious people have, you may be fine. But let's not kid ourselves. If you're simply a believer, you may not be a follower. You'll be a believer and you'll be a consumer, but you won't necessarily be a follower. Jesus won't be your leader. Now, as we've discovered, as we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is driving us into a posture of surrender and dependence. He tells us, here's what I want you to pray for. When it comes for that moment, for that time for you to, to ask, make sure you ask for provision, pardon, and protection. Provision, give us today our daily bread a reminder of our dependence on God for, for all of our provision, not just our, our food, but absolutely everything. Pardon and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive me in the same way and to the same degree that I have forgiven the people who have wronged me. Otherwise, I'll be a hypocrite. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. And then last but not least, protection. And lead us not into temptation. Protect us from temptation. Now I want to personalise this for all of us this morning for just a moment. And lead me not into temptation. Here's the question. And I know this is hard. Do you pray this? 
do you ask for this? I mean, we pray for parking spots and we pray for safe travel and we pray that we might have good health. But what about this? Do you ask for this? Can you pray that with a clear conscience? I mean, you can't be planning to give in to temptation and to lead yourself into temptation and then pray not to be led there. Well, I guess you could, but then that would make you a hypocrite, right? Now, here's a fun fact. Jesus was actually led into temptation. So he knew what he was talking about. He was familiar with what that was like, and the author of the Hebrews, uh, he reminds us, in fact, just how intense Jesus' temptation was in Hebrews 4, verse 15. He says, For we do not have a high priest, and he's speaking about Jesus here, who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Now, this is the key point here, notice, yet was without sin. So so Jesus was tempted in every way. Literally, Jesus was tempted in all things, not just the three things that are actually recorded in the Gospels. He was tempted in every way, and yet he didn't sin because he couldn't. He was sinless. So he was led to temptation, didn't give in to it. But, But in light of that, verse 16, here's the promise. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, in our time of temptation. But that brings us back to this. Do you want mercy and grace in your time of need? Do you actually want to be delivered from temptation? Or do you play... Um, what we're all guilty of this, do you play the sin now, ask forgiveness later game? The sin now, ask forgiveness later game. Now you know how this works. You're tempted and you're like, well I'm going to go ahead and sin because I can get forgiveness later. Now this, let me just say this, this is an insidious religious game that assumes the worst about your heavenly father. It's a game that assumes that God is so inept and so gullible, it's a game that assumes that God can be used and manipulated and it reduces prayer to a conscience cleanse. And just so you know, that God does not exist. There's nothing hallowed about a God who is so easily manipulated. That God is not worth surrendering to. That God is not worth singing to. That God is certainly not worth praying to. That's an imaginary God. It's a figment of our religious imagination created to, well, to make us feel better about ourselves and better about our sin, our sin that eventually leads us to regret. And let's be honest, when you find yourself grappling with the consequences and regret of sin now, ask forgiveness later, when you're on the other side of that and you're facing the consequences of your sin, what do you do? What do I do? Well, we pray. But to whom? We pray to the God who was so senile 
he winked at our sin and then just forgot about it? What kind of faith system is that? Now fortunately, and this is actually good news, fortunately that God does not exist. That is not your Father in heaven, but you do have a Father in heaven who loves you, who sent his Son to die for your foolishness and my foolishness and for for our blatant disregard for, for wisdom, truth, and sometimes just common sense. God doesn't wink at sin because it costs him way too much to do that. So Jesus says, look, look, when you pray, here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, and do not lead us, me, into temptation, but surrender, but, but, but please deliver me, deliver us from evil. And we find ourselves right back to surrender again, don't we? And here's why I say that. You can't be planning evil and pray to be delivered from it. Well, you can, but then that makes you, uh, well, we've covered that already, haven't we? Now, the term deliver actually means this. It means to rescue one from danger or to preserve. And the reason we lead ourselves into temptation is because we think that, well, we think that it's not that dangerous. Think about this. We, We lead ourselves into temptation and then we ask God to deliver us from our own evil. Or worse, we lead ourselves into temptation and then we turn right around and then we blame God for evil. We blame God for all the consequences. How dare we do that? Well, it's our own stupid thought. So so I want you to think about this for a moment. What leads, who leads, or why do you lead yourself into temptation? What leads you, who leads you, why do you lead yourself into temptation? Why do you lead yourself to the threshold of regret over and over and over? And oftentimes the same regret because it's the same temptation. And there's the usual suspects, of course, but... but, but usually there's something beneath the surface that fuels these usual suspects. I think behind the usual suspects are things like fear and isolation, fear of isolation, insecurity, anger, resentments, jealousy, greed, false assumptions about other people, lies we believe, loneliness, revenge. We're all, we're all tempted at times, aren't we, to believe the worst of other people? We're tempted at times to project our own motives on other people. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on, doesn't it? What leads you into temptation? Who leads you into temptation? And why are you so prone to lead yourself there? Now, the good news is this, is that God doesn't leave us to flounder in our temptations because God actually says there is a There is an escape plan. There is a path of escape. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, he says, the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And if you say that nobody knows what I'm going through, you're absolutely wrong. You're not unique in the fact that you're tempted, because we all get tempted, and God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. So when you say, it was so strong, I had to give in to it, rubbish. 
you're actually calling God a liar. No, when you are tempted, says Paul, he will show you a way out so that you will not give into it. And this morning, I want to be practical and I want to give you some steps to, to kind of look at what is this, this way out? What is this path of escape that we can follow? And this involves us doing something about the temptations we face. Let me show you some things to think about. Here's the first step, is this. I must identify what makes me vulnerable. Now, now notice I didn't say identify what tempts you. You already know what tempts you. What you may have never really thought through is what causes you to be tempted? What makes you vulnerable to temptation or that particular temptation? What makes you weak? More important than knowing what tempts you is knowing all the other factors that go into that temptation. So Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. In other words, you may be willing. You may want to overcome your temptation, but willpower is never enough. I mean, it'll work for a little bit, but then you get tired, and then, and then just willpower burns out. No lasting change ever happens with willpower. So that's why Jesus says, watch and pray. You can't just pray, you also have to watch. What do you need to watch for? We need to watch and identify the circumstances that make you vulnerable. So, so let me explain what I'm talking about here. The Bible teaches that every human being is unique. There is nobody in the world like you. God never makes copies. God never makes clones. There will, be, there will never be anybody else like you. You are unique. Now, you, you may not have realised this, is that your uniqueness also affects what tempts you. It's why some things tempt you that don't tempt other people. You have a unique vulnerability to temptation based on a number of things, based on your uniqueness. Certain situations tempt you and other situations don't tempt you. Some things entice you and lure you and others have no effect on you whatsoever. So where do the temptations in your life come from? That's what you need to identify. Now, some are caused by our own sin nature, and some are caused by nurture, the way that you grew up. If you grew up, for example, in a house that was prone to blow up in anger, you probably learned that pattern. So you probably fall into that temptation of anger. If you grew up in a house where you learned to stuff all your emotions down, that's the pattern that you learned. So some temptations are by nature and some are by nurture. Some are caused by your character and some are caused by circumstances. What I'm saying is this. You don't get to choose your temptations. It's part of the negative side of you. You have a pattern of vulnerability and you better figure out what that is. Because I can tell you for sure, someone knows what that is. Satan knows your vulnerabilities. Satan knows the vulnerable points and he's plotting the moment you wake up. So you need to identify, first of all, what makes you vulnerable. Step two is then I plan to avoid it. Now you don't wait until the situation, you're in a situation and then you decide, well, am I gonna, what am I going to do this or am I going to not do this? No, you decide before your emotions kick in that you will plan to avoid that temptation. 
You've identified where you're vulnerable, and now you plan to avoid it. You need to know what you're going to do. Proverbs 4, 26-27 says, Plan carefully what you do, avoid evil, walk straight ahead, don't go one step off the right way. You see, temptation always begins with a natural desire in you. And if you, if you didn't have a natural desire, temptation would never key into it. So often, temptation is fulfilling a legitimate desire in a wrong way or in a wrong time or the wrong amount. So you have a natural desire to, to eat and to drink and to sleep. You have natural sexual desires. Where do you think you got them from? Well, God gave them to you. Those are not evil. Temptation is when we abuse and misuse something that God has given to us for our good. So, for example, fire is good, but if you misuse it, you can burn your house down. Water is a good thing, but if you have too much of it, you're going to drown. So temptation, what it does, it turns a routine desire into a runaway desire. Wrong time, wrong way, wrong amount. It becomes more important than anything you do. It, it, this, the temptation becomes everything that you think about. And any God-given desire out of control becomes a sin. And so therefore, you have to plan in advance, I will avoid it. So, for example, you say, well, I know, I always get tempted when I go to the pub. Really simple. Don't go to the pub. I mean, you think, well, that's a bit simplistic, Phil, but, but it is, isn't it? Look, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. It's as simple as that. Know your temptations and then plan to avoid it. But it's not just that, because there's a, thir a third step. Step three is I guard my heart. Now this is really important because the Bible says in Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. Temptation always starts inside of you. We think temptation is always on the outside. No, it is not. It, it may trigger from the outside, but the temptation actually begins inside of you. And if there was no natural temptation inside you, based on your nature, it, it wouldn't have any attraction for you. So James 1 verse 14 says, We are tempted by our own desires that drag us off and trap us. And Jesus said in Mark 7, 20 to 23, For from within, out of a person's heart, that's why you need to guard your heart, look at this, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, eagerness for lustful pleasure, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. Well, that's a bit of a list, isn't it? And if you're serious about breaking some of those bad habits, about breaking some of those temptations, you've got to do a little bit of a heart checkup first. See, once you know how your heart is doing, you need to ask yourself, well, well how long have I been like this? The longer you've been like it, the more vulnerable you are, the more serious it is. And when you mix things like frustration and anger and hurt, that's a powerful combo. And then all of a sudden, you'll hear somebody start whispering in your ear, I deserve to have some relief. Do you know, I deserve to have some fun. I deserve to be loved. I deserve to do this. Now, that's not God whispering that in your ear at that moment. You're being tempted and you're being set up. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Do not give the devil a foothold. 
What is a foothold? I think I can say it's a number of things, but I'd argue primarily it's a mental state. It's a negative emotion. Anytime you hold a negative emotion in your life for an extended period of time, whether it's anger or worry or fear or bitterness or envy, whatever it is, you are allowing the evil one to get a foothold in your life. So to combat that, guard your heart. Step four, I then pray for God's help. And here's the thing, whenever we're in temptation, we, we tend to think, well, I'll run away from God. But actually, the, you shouldn't do that. The Bible tells us that God is ready to help us. Jesus says we're to pray, remember, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You ask God for help. Now, now listen, it doesn't have to be a long prayer when you're in that moment. You know, it can be those kind of microwave prayers, you know, those sort of things. You know, God, help I'm going through this, I've got to deal with this person, and I don't want to get impatient with this person, I don't want to get angry, God, please help me. That's kind of all you need to pray at that moment. And in fact, the Bible is full of examples of people who, who prayed for God's help, David and Daniel and, and Peter and Paul. God provides assistance for anybody who asks. Now, why can I expect God to help me when I pray? Well, because God has promised it. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call upon me in your day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honour me. God is sympathetic to your situation. He, know, he knows everything that's going on in your life. You can't fool God. He sees and knows everything. He knows also the things that tempt you. So the Bible says, come boldly to God. Come and say, I, I need your help, Lord. And God isn't annoyed with you when you are tempted. He's saying, I'm here to help. I'm here to stop you falling for that temptation. So I pray for God's help. And then step five, I change the direction of my thoughts. And this is key on the path to escape, actually. I refocus on something else. I, I shift my attention. So, for example, if you're watching something on the, on the telly that you know you shouldn't be watching, you don't sit there and go, well, I'm not going to watch, I'm not going to watch, I'm not going to watch. You, no. Just change the channel. <laughs> I mean, simple, but that's what you need to do. Don't try to fight temptation, refocus. Don't resist, refocus. See, not once in the Bible are we told to resist temptation. We're told to resist the devil, and that's a whole different thing. The key to overcome tempta overcoming temptation is, is not to push back it's to change my focus. And then all of a sudden, I'm not interested in it anymore. When I get a new focus, all of a sudden, that which had my attention, I forget about it. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm resisting it, I just forget about it. Because whatever gets your attention gets you. And the battle for sin always starts in your mind. That's why Psalm 119 verse 6 says, thinking about your commands will keep me from doing some foolish things. Why? Well, because if I'm thinking about God's commands, if I'm thinking about truth, about the word of God, I'm not going to be thinking about wrong things that I could be doing. Whatever you focus on pulls you. And it's true in every area of life, good or bad, you focus on good things in life, godly things in life, it's going to pull you in that direction. If you focus on stuff that's, I don't know, stuff on the telly or stuff that's online, it's going to pull you in that direction. 
Whatever you focus on gets your attention. And whatever gets your attention is going to get you. So whatever you focus on is going to pull you in that direction. So you better make sure you're focusing on the right things. Because the key is to change your mind. See, temptation always follows a predictable pattern. It's attention, arousal, action. That's the way every single temptation works. Attention, your, your mind gets hooked. Arousal, well then your emotions kick in. Action, you act upon it. So you don't fight a temptation, you just turn your mind to something else. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, we capture every thought and make it obey Christ. But that takes practice. You can't always control your circumstances, and you can't always control the way that you feel, but you can control what you think about. That is always, always your choice. And if you change the way you think, it changes the way you feel, and it will change the way that you act. So, the answer is not that I'm telling you to go out of here and fight temptation. What you've got to do is focus on something else. And the feeling loses its attraction because your attention is on something else. Paul says in Romans 12, 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. Fill your mind with truth, good faults, good things, and it pushes out all of that junk that's in your mind. And when we celebrate, when we embrace a thy kingdom come, thy will be done way of life, we will live more for, we'll live more than just for ourselves. See, This was and is Jesus' invitation. He invites us, you see, to follow a better Lord, a better leader. As I said earlier on, he invites us to follow him. And following Jesus, embracing surrender, is actually the alternative to being led into temptation. And as I've shown you this morning, there is a path that delivers you from evil, but it's not just discipline, although it requires discipline, and it's not just self-control, although it requires self-control. The path that leads you away from temptation is saying yes to Jesus' original invitation, follow me. And again, Jesus' invitation is not simply an invitation to believe something, Christianity that has, reduced, has been reduced to merely believing things is a counterfeit Christianity. And I know that's hard to hear, but a faith that doesn't do things, a faith that doesn't change things or improve things, is a worthless faith. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, was so clear about this. He said that an inactive faith, this is his word, he says it is useless. A faith that doesn't do anybody any good isn't any good. And so Jesus says to you, and he says to me, follow me, follow me right here, right now, here on earth. And yes, following Jesus requires surrender. But here's the promise. Jesus says, I will not lead you into temptation. I will not leave you to face temptation alone because I love you. I will lead you to look beyond you, beyond the temptation. So don't be content to be a believer, be a follower. So can you pray sincerely with a clear conscience, without being a hypocrite, can you pray 
and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Lead me. The assumption is, is that you have decided to follow. The assumption is, is that you have decided to follow Jesus. So have you? The assumption is, is that you've actually surrendered your will. Have you? Can you actually pray that? Can you pray the way that Jesus instructed us to pray? Now, does that create some tension for you? And if so, pay attention to that kind of tension. Because here's why. Because right there in that tension is where God is at work in you. And before you push back, before you say you decide that the bar is way too high, the price is way too high to pay, just let's be honest for a minute. What do you have to show for all the temptations you have allowed yourself to be led into? The temptation you've given into. What do I have to show for all the temptation I said yes to? You see, temptation is actually the threshold to loss. Saying yes to temptation generally results in a lack of something, doesn't it? It results in a decrease of financial security, perhaps. A lack of trust between you and your spouse. A lack of trust between you and your parents, your kids, perhaps your friends. A, 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 an erosion of joy. Decreased transparency. I mean, there's just so many secrets. The erosion of physical and perhaps mental health, which imposes a greater burden on the people you say that you care for the most. Given to temptation, you have limited options, less freedom, more regret. Temptation, you see, is the threshold to loss, but choosing to follow Jesus is the threshold to life. Because it's an invitation to actually put others first. It's an invitation to love. It's an invitation to spend less time in the mirror, less time looking inward, and more time looking up and looking around. Heavenly Father, lead me, lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from every evil thing. Deliver me from anything, anything that directly or indirectly dishonours means or hurts another person. And we need to pray that. And we need to pray that until we are surrendered because it is the only way that we, we've surrendered. And it's the only way that actually we truly are followers of Jesus. Let's pray. As we pray, why, why don't you pray this prayer? If you're ready to change, if you may be able to do something different, let me encourage you to echo the words of this prayer. Dear God, you know all the habits and temptations in my life that tripped me up for years. And you know the tempting situations I'm facing right now. And you even know the temptations that lay ahead of me this week that, that I don't even know about yet. So Lord God, I'm asking you for help 
and I'm willing to follow your principles of escape so that I can change and be free. Help me to clearly see the patterns in my life that lead to temptation. Give me the strength to plan to avoid them. And help me to refocus my attention on other things when I'm tempted. And most important, Lord, I need you to do some heart surgery on me. Remove the negative emotions that make me vulnerable and replace them with your love and your forgiveness and your trust. I ask you, Jesus Christ, to start changing me from the inside out, beginning today. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.